0: What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica. I'm your host, as always, the Mr. Mike Agostinho. And this is episode 145. And it's a Tasa de Portugal round three, Portuguese Cup edition. And this is an episode I've wanted to do forever. Ever since I started podcasting, I thought about the day Benfica played Caldas. Now, it, it was always a long shot because college are in the third division. They're in the Liga 3, and Benfica obviously are in the first division. And the only way it could happen was right here in the Taça de Portugal. And um, really, the only realistic way it would happen most likely was going to be in round 3. And it's the best round for it to happen because it guaranteed that the match will be played at well, it didn't guarantee that the match would be played as last week, you know, unfolded. It wasn't guaranteed, but it guaranteed that college would be the home team. And I think this round, these matches are much more special when the big team travels. If this match had been at the Stadio Deluge, you know, it would have been two thirds empty, most likely. Um, everyone that wanted to go could go. You'd have maybe not two thirds empty. You'd have about 25 or 30,000 people there. Um but it would have been a much, much different experience. You see behind me, we're back on video, by the way. And as you see behind me, I've got both jerseys up. I've got a Benfica jersey to one side and Caldas jersey to the other. Of course, that Caldas jersey I, I mentioned, uh, I've mentioned in past episodes. That is a match worn 1989-1990. Okay, uh, match worn Hummel jersey, Caldas Sport Club, worn by my cousin Pedro Alberto, who is somewhere in the top three or four all-time scorers for the club. Um, He scored a ton of goals throughout the the 90s uh, for the club, okay, as a striker. And um, he gave me that shirt when I was a little kid. It was his first season with the senior team, and I've had it. You know, I kept it forever. Um, This was a match in which I definitely underestimated the emotional – tug of war that was going to go on inside of me. I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to apologize right here at the beginning of this episode. I apologize if it sounds like I was rooting against Benfica in this match. I was not rooting against Benfica, but I did not know. I didn't know how to feel about this match as it was played. Um, I mean, it's one thing to analyze it, and I can do that non-emotionally without any emotion. I I can watch the match. Talk about the facts and analyze what happened, okay? What I was not ready for was the way my emotions were going to be played with in this match, okay? I've said it before, this is my hometown team, okay? It's my ancestral hometown, College de Reina, a beautiful, beautiful city in the west, in the West, as they call it, right on the coast, okay? Um, not far, about 45 minutes north of Lisboa. Um, it, you know, one of the southernmost parts of the street, the Lady of the Lady of District. Um, otherwise, it'd be, a you know, a, a Lisbon derby of sorts, a regional derby of sorts. But um, Kaldej and Abidus and um, Peniche, those municipalities find themselves just north of that cutoff between the Lady District and the Lisboa District. Um, but this was... Really a match I'll never forget as long as I live. I'm psyched. It's already it's on YouTube. Somebody posted it to YouTube in its entirety. I hope it stays there forever. And speaking of YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button right there here. We're back on the PTB Media Network's YouTube page. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, smash it, and hit the little bell next to it and be alerted whenever uh, my content on this channel goes the live or just goes up okay um back to this match okay the the emotions inside of me were were something i never felt before i wanted benfica to win obviously i am a benfica i never thought in my entire life i would hit a match where i wasn't so sure if i wanted you know what i wanted to see uh i thought this going into this i thought this was going to feel a lot like a portugal usa match okay and I've had a whole range of uh, rooting interests in that as they've played now a number of times. Um, they've played twice in World Cups. And to be fair, I've rooted for each team once, Portugal and the United States. This was different. This was different. I ke- I could not pick between them. I-, I literally could not. I kept reminding myself throughout the match that Benfica's the team, the big team. Benfica needs to win this competition. And I had to remind Benfica needs to get past this you know i i initially thought i'd come in and i'd see Benfico score a couple of goals and then root for college to get one um to to keep it respectable if you will uh, a 3-1 or or a 3-2 a 2-1 something along those lines maybe would be great as the match played on i found my i found myself completely unsure nothing made me happy <laughs> to be honest, um, I didn't want either team to lose. Came, I came to that realization around the half hour mark that I literally did not want either team to lose. And I know that that's not possible in a cup match. Um, it definitely was a match that I did not expect to to obviously play out the way it did. But it's more special because it did. I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life, obviously. Uh, I went to my father's house, watched it with him and with my son and my mother. Um, although my father was was 100% in Benfica's court in this one. And he's the one that grew up there. So it goes to show he's the one that grew up there. He's the one that watched matches in that stadium when it was a dirt pitch, when there was no grass. He was in, that, he was in the house. My grandfather, I was going to talk about this on the preview, but I didn't know if the story was true. But over the course of the past couple of days, the Cal- the Kaldish local newspaper Gazeta de Kaldish started releasing and re-releasing articles, and it turns out the story my grandfather told me when I was seven or eight years old turned out to be true. About the time Befico went to, to to the Mata where they played this one and lost three to two to a Kaldish team who was, I think, relegated at the end of that season from the first division, and they haven't been back since in 1958. Um, I didn't know that that story was even true. I thought I maybe I had imagined it, but it turns out it was true. So the last time Benfica played at that pitch, Benfica lost 3 to 2 in 1958. In 1961, I didn't know about this match. I learned about it too after after recording that preview. This was the last time these two teams met in the cup at the Luge. Benfica won 11 to nothing. Okay? So th- this is the type of history coming into this match. I I really had um, mixed... I can't go back to saying the mix again. I I apologize. I apologize to anyone listening. Uh, This is going to be a different kind of episode because I felt completely differently about this match. Um, A part of me almost cheered when Kalderish leveled. I, I have to admit it. I... It was the weirdest thing because I was worried at the same time for my stomach left my body. I mean, it felt like I was just completely gutted on one end. And then on the other end, I see the joy on the faces of players who I have followed. Heck, the joy on the faces of players I communicate with from time to time. College is a small city. The it's a very interactive fan base. I spent all of last week, you know, swapping messages with a number of fans, with a number of even players, okay, on the team. You know, I uh, I got emotional watching the captain, Tom- Tomaj Militon, coming off when he had nothing left to give. And he's applauding. He's applauding. This is an amateur player going 100-plus minutes, or I think he made it 110 minutes. Uh, playing center back against Benfica. I, I shouldn't say I don't know. This actually was the type of match. This is what happens at this round. Needless to say, it all, it took less than 24 hours for, or maybe it took about 24 hours, for our neighbors at the other side of the Skunzer Glad, the green side of Lisbon, if you will to learn the hard lesson of how hard this round is but it's not the first time they went out. I remember a few seasons ago when they lost to Alverca. Alverca plays in the same division as Kaldish. Today Sporting lost to Verzin. They play in the same division just in the other section as Kaldish. They have the same number of points practically. One has 11, the other has 9. Okay. So for everyone laughing yesterday at Benfica, this is a difficult round. Yes, I know Porto had an easy to, easier time of it playing against Anadia today. I think they put six on him whatever. The key was that they scored they scored early. When in these matches when you score early and when you you know, break down the confidence of the underdog and they stop believing in themselves, it's a lot easier to coast through the match and get your four, five, six goals. There was no breaking the spirit of this college sport club side. Not even the goal broke their spirit yesterday. Would have been completely different if Benfica scored early, but they didn't. Benfica played slow. Benfica gave away a lot of a lot of ball. Benfica looked and played like they were not expecting that kind of a fight. And I spent the last 24 hours thinking about this, guys. I really have because... Um, First of all, I've I have been processing my own feelings and emotions about this match. I woke up this morning feeling an immense amount of pride for Calder Sport Club and an immense amount of relief that Benfica survived and will go through because I do believe this is the year Benfica is going to lift this cup. This cup. I think with this manager, who clearly showed that he does prioritize these matches, it was not his fault that this didn't work out the way it should have. He put a strong team on the pitch last night. And I was excited to see that. I still don't agree with going with the backup goalies in this competition. I think there's league matches where they can be used when matches are comfortable, when when you have a comfortable lead. It's never easy to get minutes for your backup keeper. But this is a trend that's been that only started 15 years ago or so of putting the backup goalkeepers you know, in the cup competition. Um, It's a trend that started in this century, uh, let's say, uh, post-2000. And, in fact, even Kaldash followed that trend. Their manager, Zavala, put the backup goalkeeper, Wilson in goal yesterday. He left his starting keeper on the bench. I guess it's just accepted now in Portuguese culture, and they do this in Spain, too, that the cups belong to the backup goalie. But aside from that, Roger Schmidt put out a he, he put out as close to a strong team. He put out a stronger team than Georges Zouche put out in any cup matches. Okay, maybe other than maybe the the two finals that we lost. Okay, and Georges Luz did not manage the first one. The first one was managed by uh by Nelson Verissimo, and then the second one was managed by Georges Luz, where we lost to Braga. Other than those two matches. This is the strongest team Benfica has put out in a cup, theoretically, outside of a final. Now, we've complained for years about too much squad rotation in these matches. Now, we're getting complaints all over, come from Benfica Nation all over the world, that he didn't rest these guys, that he didn't rotate the team enough. It's like you cannot have it either way. You cannot have it both ways, excuse me. Okay, you can't have your cake and eat it too. I think Roger Schmidt approached this correctly. Uh, he was given a a terrible press conference on Friday uh, in the lead-up to this match. None of the questions regarded this match, and I think he was annoyed by that, and he made mention that he, he's studied this opponent. And I know for a fact that the college manager acknowledged – the classiness of Roger Schmidt in that he, he studied the opponent and that he gave college the due respect. But it's it took a German manager coming to Portugal to, put, to pinpoint and to show the importance of the cup competition because it is important. Maybe it doesn't pay out millions. It doesn't put you in the Champions League. I get it, but it's important. Everybody wants to be in the Jamur on the final day, lifting the cup. And now that the finals are back at the Jamur, um, even more motivation. It looked like Benfica took the pitch yesterday. A little bit overconfident. Um, playing slow. They were playing slow. There was no question. Uh, some of it is, is some of it looking, because they're looking ahead to Porto on Friday, it's possible. I think they thought that if they just controlled the game long enough eventually they would break them down they'd break college down they'd get on the scoreboard college's spirit would would go down and they'd be able to see it out from there and probably add two or three more however there was no break in the spirit of of this of this team and I said it in the preview the mata encantada the, the enchanted forest has it's a special place and now I think everyone has seen that I'm also very, very proud tonight of the respect Benfica showed to Kaldish and vice versa. Before we break down this football match, let me just say one thing. You will notice that unlike most away matches for Benfica, this was not a Benfica crowd. And I know for a fact there were a lot of Benfica's wearing black last night. Okay, There were a lot of Benfica's wearing black. Maybe not half of the fans in black, but almost. Okay, So plenty. This could have very easily been a sea of red. There was no no policy about not wearing Benfica gear. A lot of the pictures of the people I know and a lot of the things you saw on TV was fans wearing the gear of both teams. Which is exactly what I would have looked like. BTV was at the Casa do Benfica before the match. Okay. Simon Sobraza was there representing the club at the casa. Casa number two. Okay. Casa number two is is Caldas da Rinha. Um and you know, uh, Sara Oliveira was there, and she was she was uh you know interviewing different people. You could see even at the Casa do Benfica. There was there was um, you know swag from both teams. Most people were wearing one item of clothing of each team. There was a Befica jersey with the Kaldash scarf, vice versa, Kaldash jersey, Befica scarf. And they were all mingling and getting along with each other. Okay, they were sharing drinks, they were laughing, they were enjoying themselves. There was no climate of war in this in this match the way there has been. In visits to places like Famalicão or Portimonense. Visits to, you know, other other places where, you know, th- there was no chance. This is another thing that meant something to me. You did not hear one anti benfica chant. You did not hear, pardon my language, you did not hear Fius de puta SLB anywhere in that stadium. And I'm damn proud of that. I'm damn proud of that. Both sets of fans supported their clubs and did not stoop to, to, you know, insulting the other. In fact, I saw a video on Facebook today on the Pelicans, which is one of Caldash's supporters group's page, of the Caldash players saluting and being saluted, applauding and, and being applauded by the Benfica fans, the Benfica supporters section, not the Benfica fans where it was fans from the city who who are Benfica fans, but in the supporters section, the actual traveling Benfica fans, there was a mutual respect. You saw Chiquinho consoling Diogo Clement for missing his penalty kick. You saw João Mario, after a short celebration, converting the final penalty kick in and congratulate quickly going to congratulate Wilson Swatch the college goalkeeper you saw the Benfica players congratulating the college players i think the college players earned the respect of the benfica players in this one and and i can't stress enough amateurs versus professionals there are 3 professional players that were wearing black and white yesterday 3 three players are on professional contracts the rest of them are going to work in a couple of hours I'm recording this on Sunday night on October the 16th. It is about 11 p.m. here in the United States on the East Coast, which means it's 4 a.m. in in continental Portugal, in mainland Portugal. The 20-plus players on that roster that are not professional are going to work in, in, in a couple of hours. You're going to be heroes at their job, by the way. Imagine going into work. The weekend after playing Benfica and having the whole country and, and, you know, really the whole world watching you because this match, which was intelligent, was put on RTP and was made readily available to Portuguese communities everywhere. Everybody saw this. You don't get a better platform than that. And I was thankful for that. I thought I was going to have to do some kind of MacGyver thievery and some kind of online piracy to get access to this match. No, it went right on RTP and RTP, RTP, Africa, you name it. It went around the world. These guys are going to report to work this morning. Heroes. I promise I'm going to get to Benfica. Okay, I but I have to get this out here. There's an immense amount of pride that I'm feeling for the hometown team. Now, I I want and I believe Benfica will go on to win this cup. I do believe that this year it's going to happen. Fans of of Benfica independent I'm um, You'll know what I'm talking about when I'm saying Baquero and Magda are going to go to Jamur this year, okay? All right, it's been the running thing over the years. They've never been to the Jamur. I think it's going to happen this year. I truly, truly believe that. I may be proven wrong, but at this moment, I truly believe it. And hiccups like this happen. And on the Benfica side, I think this was a good thing. This was exactly what the team needed right before the classic. Right before going into the Stadio do Ladrão. Right before going to play. Remember, they're going to play against 14 on Friday. There's no mistaking it. Okay. The the other side is already playing their mind games. They're already using their allies in the media to whip up a storm. There can, there's already all kinds of accusations of that we're going <laughs> to... That we signed John Brooks just to injure their players. Heck, I, I I was excited by the possibility of that. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, a portista friend of mine said, what a vergonha! What an embarrassment when some, you know, and you've probably seen the video by now. Benfica returning from Paris and uh, John Brooks walking down the steps. And someone says, Brooks, he says in Portuguese, I'll say it in English. It's time to break Pep's leg on Friday. And you can see Enrique Araujo hearing that and laughing. And they are all of a sudden the big bad Porto is just so sensitive and just their feelings are so hurt. Something that this is a, a a fan base that hangs dolls of Benfica players from viaducts, looking like they're on a noose hanging next to a referee. This is a fan base with unrivaled violence in this country. This is that is a club that runs solely and is fueled solely by hate and hate for Benfica. That is a club that needs a crazy amount of emotion to play the game. They rely on emotion to play. They don't rely on their own abilities. They don't rely on playing football. They rely on on mind games. They rely on... Making up stupid things like like this whole thing about centralism, blah blah blah, centralismo. That's all you hear from these guys. It's funny though, when they play a northern rival, they, they, they always win easily. And they want to talk about centralismo, but look at what's going on between them and Portimones and the Nakajima deal, right? let it's all over. Funny that they're changing the subject to to defer to defer attention away from that. There's a huge criminal element in their fan base. The leader of their clock is an absolute disgusting, violent human being, Makaku. Okay. He is, he should be banned for life from football at this point, but he's not because they are so politically powerful. I think Benfica struggling in this match was exactly what Benfica needed. I think it's exactly. The wake-up call they needed after having good results in the Champions League. You know, you can get, you can kind of start to get a, a little bit of a swollen head. You can start to think that things are just going to come together. Now, I, I'm very, very confident for Friday. I'm very confident. Not all Benfica's are because they're not seeing between the lines. All they see is a struggle against the third division team. But there's a reason for that struggle. And so, and a lot of the things college did, Porto are not going to do on Friday. Mayfica thrive when they're playing against a team more to their level. It is with teams of a a lower level that they struggle. And to some extent, that goes true for all big clubs. Because clubs change the way that they're going to play. But, again, this college team did not just sit in until they were completely gassed. When you get past, you know, 90 minutes, there was nothing left there. Maybe even after they equalized, I think they used all the fuel in the tank. To get that equalizer. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, And we'll talk about Antonio Silva. And again, another. There's a disgusting element of our fan base. That's already starting. I think more. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say. It's not really in our fan base. It is those outside of the fan base. Trying to destabilize the kid. Trying to, to divide the fan base. Trying to start the narrative. That this is somehow an overrated 18 year old. An 18-year-old, mind you, that put Vlahovic in his pocket in the Champions League. An 18-year-old that stopped Mbappe. An 18-year-old that that contained Neymar when he needed to. An 18-year-old that's already suited up against Lionel Messi. Okay? He made one mistake yesterday. One mistake, something that's happened to every single football player that's ever played. The difference with Antonio Silva is that he plays at center back, and this is why it's so hard for young center backs to break in because you make one mistake like that, and it costs your team a goal. If an 18-year-old center midfielder makes that mistake, yeah, possession is turned over, but the team regroups, and they get the ball back. You That doesn't happen here because he is the last man back. And I'll talk to you about it in a minute but how about let's talk a little bit about about Elton late on that play he doesn't he shouldn't be let off the hook that that's a goal he cannot allow he cannot get beat between the wickets like that ever no matter how little you've played that is one goal that no goalkeeper can surrender okay so it's not all on Antonio Silva and um I'm I'm very confident in Antonio Silva on Friday. I don't. And I, I'm very confident that Roger Schmidt is very confident. He knows his players very well. Um, he's a man that is not emotional, that does not make decisions emotionally, unlike their manager that we're going to see Friday night, who makes every decision emotionally, who uses emotion to rile his team up. No, Roger Schmidt doesn't do any of that. Roger Schmidt's going to put his team on the, on the pitch. He's going to have a clear plan. And guess what? For the first time in a couple of years, and it's only really happened once in my memory, but so for the second time in my recent memory, we're gonna go into the Stadio de Ludron fearless. We're gonna go in there without fear, just like we went into the Pac de Prince, just like we went into the Allianz Arena against Juventus. We're not gonna go in there in fear, Porto. Okay, a six-nil win over Anadia is not gonna make Befica tremble when they go there. Again, like I said, I think this this match being as difficult as it was is going to turn out to be a good thing for Benfica in this uh, in the long run and in their preparations for the match coming up this week. All right, uh, let's get right into the match then. Okay, I'm gonna put up uh, the sofa score here, and if you just give me a minute here, I will put up the sofa score. I have the li- I should have the lineups up. I believe I put that there uh, beforehand. There it is. And it's going to be hard to see, so I do apologize. Okay? It's going to be hard to see. But I'm going to put up Benfica's match here. Uh, this is the only place. Because it's in the cup, there's a lot less available because it's the cup. Um, and why is it not popping up? And that screen is frozen, but there's it. There is um, a lot less data available for this match. These cup matches, for whatever reason, uh, goal point doesn't create anything. Uh, Fot Mob has almost nothing to show for it. Uh, most of the sites that I like to use have little to nothing to show. And suddenly, I was looking at this before, and it was here, and now it looks like it's gone. And I don't know where. The match analysis went. I had it here. I had the, the lineups, and now it is gone somehow. Um, I guess I can go from memory, but uh, let's see. I can go off memory. I'll start with college is 11. Let me unshare that screen. I don't know what happened here on SofaScore all of a sudden. It was fine literally uh, 10 minutes before I started recording. I'm going to try one more time to see if I can uh, get this up here and see what we can get here. Yeah, it's it's, it's not coming up. I don't know why. Um, I can stop the screen share. But anyway, I, I think I can remember the the uh, information here. So uh, in goal for college was Wilson Swatch. They played with five across the back in this one. The wingbacks were Januariu and... Uh, Silva I think the center backs. Okay, you had you had uh you had Jordi Marcelo, you had Tomás Militão. and you had Andres Sosa. Andres Sosa was the man of the match on SOFA score before it disappeared. Uh he had a 7.6 rating. He was the man of the match for college. Um and then in midfield, you saw this is gonna really, really uh stump my uh, my memory here. Uh in midfield as I, I think back for a second. So you had André Pech. You had... uh I'm trying to think who they started with. You had Leandro Borges and you had... Uh, you had an, now, now I'm annoyed. Uh, I know up front there was Tarzan and there was... Uh let's see. We had who else played. Now my my mind is drawing a blank because I had it prepared and it's gone. I apologize for that. Maybe now without the screen share, I'll be able to see it. Let's see here. Doesn't look like I have it. I don't know why I don't have it suddenly. Um, but anyway. Well, I'll just talk about the college guys as they as they play. Uh, <laughs> for Benfica, it was easier to remember, of course. So. Uh, Benfica had Elton Leighton goal um, across the back. You had, as you know, Alexander Ba was, was sick. He didn't play. Uh, Gilberto gets the start. Not a good, not a good outing for Gilberto, to be, to be honest. Antonio Silva and John Brooks start across the back. That's what I predicted. The left back was uh, Grimaldo. He, he got to play. I thought Rich was going to play, but Grimaldo got the start. Tino and Enzo start in midfield along with Auschness. That's a three-man midfield. Uh, and then you've got you got the Stark owner, Rodrigo Pino, and, and then Draxler and Joel Mario. Um this Benfica team was a little bit disjointed. Okay. Uh they real uh, let me say something. There is one criticism I can make of Roger Schmidt in this, and it's not a criticism I should have had to make. So for uh Roger Schmidt, he should have should have brought either Gonzalo Ramos or, or Rafa to this match and had them on the bench. Rafa specifically is what this match needed when it got difficult. His pace was something that Caldez was not going to be able to deal with, especially late in the match when they were tired. And you could see João Mario was outrunning them. Um, the fatigue had set in there. And again, they're not professionals. I thought that Rafa should have been let, should have taken up a spot on the bench and been there just in case, okay, just in case I know Porto is down at the end of the week is is down the road at the end of the week, but again I thought that uh I thought that it I thought that he you know he had a, an opportunity there to to have him in case exactly what happened happened because you know it's always a possibility. That said, it should not have come to that. But um, Roger gives gives Draxler some minutes. I expected that. And I'm a little frustrated with the lack of patience right now from Mayfekish with Ulian Draxler. This is a guy that was injured. The, when you watch him play, you can see that he knows what he needs to do and that it's just not there yet. I've heard some, you know, I've heard the commentary and a lot of people saying, a lot of people I respect, by the way. I'm not insulting anybody, but saying that he's been there long enough, he has enough time to be adapted. I don't think it's an adaptation. It's still a healing process from an injury, and it's still a fitness issue and a touch issue, if you will, and getting in, into the synchronicities. There was also something going on with everybody's passing in this match. I don't know if it was the new pitch, okay? Again, I talked in the in the preview about how they placed the new pitch down. The pitch held up. Yes, there was a lot of people falling. But the pitch never rolled up. It never came up like a carpet. Um, The lack of time to root did not seem to be an issue. I'm wondering if that was some kind of hybrid pitch that had, you know, natural grass mixed in with with artificial grass. I'm not sure. But, I mean, that pitch was laid in. And the next day, the Portuguese Federation announced that the women's youth national team, the U17, were going to play World Cup qualifiers or Euro qualifiers there next month. So, clearly, the pitch is of a high quality. Um, but for some reason, the Bayfica players were falling a lot, okay? And and the passing was was not on. <laughs> it just was not on. Now, I, I uh, it's easy for people to watch the match, and you hear it. It's all over Twitter. It's all over Facebook. It's all over podcasts, YouTube shows, where everyone just says that they're throwing their meat in Portuguese. They're sleeping. And I, I really don't like that expression because – even at the low level I played at, you know, that I managed to get to and uh, I got to the equivalent of a fifth division here in the United States. Okay, So I never played, for example, at the level I was able to coach at. But even in those moments and even in those levels where I played against some, I did, I played against some professionals, ex-professionals. Um, on On different Sundays, I did I did take the pitch, and we played against former professionals a couple of times. But even at that level, there were days where things just were not going right. And you hear it from, of course, because I played for at a Portuguese club, my club played at a Portuguese club. So people that watch us were Portuguese people, you'd hear it. Taza dormir, you're sleeping. Acorda, acorda. You hear it all the time. That wasn't the issue, and I don't think that was the issue for Benfica here. It wasn't a matter of sleeping. It was the team looked tight as the game went on. I think they expected a light match, an easy match, and they didn't get that. Um, but I think they were trying to do things, and it was, the bodies weren't responding because maybe they didn't prepare correctly for this match. You know, individually. Um, I'm not sure what their accommodations were. I don't know where they stayed. I don't know, you know, how they trained in the lead up to the match. I don't know if they went light because they know, you know, if they were focused on Porto a little bit more, or at least mentally thinking about Porto or still thinking about, you know, Paris, because that was just a few days earlier. So I think there was a little bit of a hangover from Paris still. They played Tuesday. And uh, it was Tuesday to Saturday. There's usually enough time there, but they've also played a lot of matches. They've played every three days for a couple of months now. And it just looked like they were tight and things weren't coming off. Okay. I think they were trying to do the right things, and the execution wasn't there most of the time. Now, I also think matches like this, and this is why you pay a premium for these kinds of players, this match was screaming for a Rafa Silva or a David Neresh. I understand why both of them weren't there. Neresh especially. But when the, you're facing a compact team like college was, and they were very well organized. Manager Jose Vala, I I salute you because that team managed to stay well organized without sitting in with two deep lines. They, they played. They came to play. They were, and it's amazing to think an amateur team took the pitch against Befica And just after watching them in Paris a few nights earlier, saying, We're going to take it to them. We're going to try to play with them. And they did try to play and they did create, you know, opportunities, maybe not on on target. Obviously, they don't have the same quality in the, in the, um, you know, in the very specific areas of the game. Um, the the striker tarzan he had a, he had a night where he wasn't really i mean he worked hard but he really didn't get many opportunities in front of goal there were a couple of chances i mean there was a, there was a shot uh i think it was i think it was my boy giannuario who who uh i actually exchanged a few messages with this morning um i think he was one of the guys that got a great shot on in the first half that went wide um College got a couple of opportunities, but they did not really penetrate. The problem was Benfica also could not penetrate and get in behind that defensive line. They the, Too many passes were side to side, backwards, and they were slow. It made college's job a little easier because they could just stay in position, hold their shape, and wait for that that forward ball, that cutting pass to come through. And they cut it out every time because they had more people there. It's as simple as that. They had more people there. Uh, So they cut out every single, almost every single one of them. Benfica's goal comes from, well, it starts with the substitution at halftime. Petr Musa replaces Rodrigo Pino. I expected more out of Pino, to be honest. Um, He's shown more in the past. And I thought, given this opportunity, that he would have really grasped it. But at the same time, again, the dribblers weren't there. So there was no Nash and no Rafa. And what happens is now you're asking João Mario and you're asking. Draxler, a maybe 40-50. at best 60% Draxler. And I don't mean in terms of health. I mean in terms of form and just comfort. And in, you know, you're asking those guys to take the roles of two guys that absolutely break lines with the dribble. When all else fails, Rafa gets into space and he takes off. He 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 makes defenses, you know, get unorganized. Because he beats one and then they have to shuffle around and try to cut the angles. Nedge does the same thing in a different way. Naj a little more side to side dribbler. But what happened is not having those guys there affected João Marius' play. It affected Draxler's play. It definitely affected Pinu's play. It 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 made Gilberto look like the Gilberto we didn't, you know, get excited about when he first arrived. Um, we got a, a decent error. We got a decent performance from Grimaldu, but he, again, you know, could only go so long, only had so many minutes in the tank. Um, you didn't get the type. You also lost a little bit, um, in terms of what you can get from Inzo and Tino. Tino didn't have a very good first half. Uh, his passes were missing the mark. He had just signed. Of course, he just signed his, uh, his extension till 2027, uh, with a huge buyout clause, but, Clearly, he is in the plans for the club for the long term, but it looks like uh, he he didn't quite have it on this one. Again, there could have been some fatigue there. He was he at halftime he limped. He limped to the to the uh, to the team room. You could see him, and I think as a precaution, he was he was uh, subbed off. You so, I mean, you saw Diogo Gonçalves come in, and I can hear the the groans from everybody when they see that poor kid. Um, you know we can't have all stars in the team either. And players do need to play as much as, you know, I, again, I, I really, my only criticism is not bringing Rafa and not starting Odie. I think if Odie plays this game, we win it in 90 minutes. I know how much, how criticized he is as well and how he doesn't play well with his feet. I pointed out last week that he's no worse with his feet than Donnarumma is. And people regard Donnarumma so highly as a goalkeeper. Um, I think with Od and goal, we we win this game. Okay, Petr Musa jumps off the bench and early on he's you know, but if he could start the second half, much better. They they have clear intentions like they've done all season under Roger Schmidt. The second half they start well, and then Musa creates that goal simply by beating he beats Mili. Mili is the nickname for Tom Tomash Town, the captain for Kaldish. Already he's already kind of tired, and and uh, Musa uses a nice dribble and then a good sp- uh, burst of speed to get by, by Milito. And then he fires the ball into the far post. But Fika take the lead. And you think from that point, they're going to run with it. I thought maybe college, we going to, you know, retreat a little. We're going to be down a little bit emotionally, but that's not what happened. Uh, college, you know, regrouped. And after five minutes or so recovered from surrendering that goal. And if was all too happy, in my opinion, to stay with the one nil lead. Now, There was a key moment here where Musa has a chance to score. Okay. He gets in the box. He has the goalkeeper beat. All he's got to do is look up and he sees Draxler wide open standing at the penalty spot. It's a, it's a clear, just square easily, you know, an easily delivered square ball right onto Draxler's feet. And for all the, you know, trouble Draxler may be having, he, his feet are still golden and he would have found the back of the net. Instead, Musa goes for goal himself. He doesn't. He never picks his head up and sees Draxler. Instead, he he keeps his head down, looks at the ball, fires at goal, and it gets blocked. That was Benfica's opportunity to go up 2-0. That would have cemented the match. And you cannot miss opportunities like that. And expect to not be punished, even by a third-division amateur team. Of course, the goal comes in the 73rd minute, and it's a... The ball's being swung around the back. If he still in control, but Kaldish trying to go for it, right? But I, at this point, it didn't look like Kaldish were going to create any more opportunities, and this one falls from the sky. Brooks plays the ball square to Antonio Silva. Antonio Silva takes his eye off it for a second, overstretches. I'm not sure exactly what happened there. He, he took his eye off it a little bit, and the ball gets out of his reach and then jumps up. And before you know it, he's colliding with uh, Gonzalo Barreiroz, who had just come on. Gonzalo Barreiroz and Marcel Mar- Mar- Marquez, excuse me, had just come on. And I told my father, I said, oh, you know, these two guys scored off the bench last round when when college played, played against um, Sporting the Cuvillain. These guys came off the bench and they both scored to make it three nil. You know, it was one nil when they came on and they both they each got a goal. And he looked at me like, oh, you know, (laughs) and I I said, "Uh," and, you know, they collide, Antonio Silva and Baredes collide. Baredes gets right up. He's not looking for a foul. He's not looking at the referee. He he pops right back up. 20-year-old kid has only played for the club. There's a handful of them that have only played for the club. He's been at the club since he was eight years old. He goes in on goal. He's still being pressured by by, uh, Antonio Silva, who gets up. But he manages to just get the shot off any way possible. And really, Elton late. I don't know how he, he's not prepared to save that. He does the one thing that, that he can't do on that one. Now This goal for me, and it's not me just trying to protect an 18-year-old player like, uh, like Antonio Silva. But the goalie's got to have that. Okay. The goalie has got to have that. I know he's a backup, and he's seen very few minutes. But if you want to see minutes as a goalkeeper, that's one you cannot allow. It goes right through the wickets, and it finds its way in. The stadium erupts. The Mata erupts. Like I said, I'm torn at this moment because part of me is, is excited for, for the club, for the city, for the fans, for the player, for all of them. Because I know these players are – you know, living a dream come true in this match. And suddenly it's all level. And I'm thinking to myself, I thought Benfica was just going to snap it back on and say, all right, enough playing around. Let's go get a goal. But a lot of squandered chances by Musa, by Draxler, by Diogo Salvage. You know, um, a lot of poor deliveries, too. We did not get good deliveries in this match, whether it was from João Mario, from Gilberto. Even from Grimaldo, a lot of the deliveries weren't that good. Grimaldo had an opportunity to make it 2-0 as well. He put a ball off the bar. Again, not con- not uh, finishing these opportunities, not taking the opportunity to end the match. Hurt Benfica in this one. And uh, it just, you know, it was a night where things just went wrong. I mean, and, and the team did not seem... As mentally into it as they should have been, and it's you can you can understand why. I mean, even in in my coaching career, I was in a situation where we play in an MLS team in a friendly, not even a cup match, and they let us hang around. And guess what? We scored. We we made it. We made it a close match because they, much like Befica, were just passing side to side, passing it backwards, waiting for the clock to expire, just really trying to get out of there. And, um, you know, our, our kids went out. We were a U-23 team playing a against an MLS team in a charity match, you know, in front of a lot of people, too. For us, it was a big crowd. And we, we were just inspired. And for these guys, they're used to playing in front of two or 3,000 at best, you know. Uh, some games, they play in front of less than 1,000. Some games, they, they, uh, some road games, they'll play in front of less than 500 fans. Uh, so to have their entire city basically in their stadium, um, or watching at home uh, or outside the stadium because I know, for example, one cousin, the one that gave me that shirt, the one that played in that shirt, he got a ticket. But he's he's a legend at the club, and I think he has connections. He also is a former teammate of the manager, uh, the manager Zavala. But my other cousin, he 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 didn't get a ticket. He wasn't able to get a ticket. And um, you know, he sent me some pictures where they were outside the stadium and they 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 saw the Bayfica's bus come in and they, they cheered for the, the bus. And then he took his little daughter to see Benfica's bus, but then went home to watch the match at home uh, on television. I was, I was messaged. I was talking to him the most of the match. We were going back and forth. And um, because we rec- we know both teams, you know, you kind of could see where this was going and it was, and you leave an underdog around. This is what happens. And, Benfica let college stay around, and eventually, you know, the, that one mistake happens. They pounce on it, and suddenly it's 1-1, and the ball won't go in at the other end. And before you know it, 90 minutes have expired. And the one thing I did not want was extra time for either team. Benfica's going to Porto next week. Caldas goes to Academica next week. I didn't want either team to play an extra 30 minutes. This is why this match was so bizarre for me. Because I, I think the only thing that could be more, more um, heart wrenching, if you will, more, more heartbreak or more devi- divisive, you know, to make me more divided would be if my own son was playing against Benfica. That's the only thing I could that I can think of that would have been harder to to watch and harder to or maybe it would have been easier. Maybe it would maybe I'd have been able to root against Benfica if my son was playing for him. But I don't know. I don't know. Um and i said to him many times that you know daddy doesn't know what to think right now and as the match went on i just i was more and more you know proud of uh, of kaldish for the effort and for the the show that they were they were giving the example that they were giving of how to play football and it it was beautiful it was it was football in its purest form yeah you know, Zavala makes a, a substitution. I know I'm rifling off these names that, that most of you have never heard of. I understand that, but I don't know how else to document this match and how else to talk about this. Um, and it was it was the kid that I talked about that didn't end up having a good match for college, Miguel Cabillo. He was subbed off, and my man Dio Clemente comes in. Okay, and this is again this is this is a guy I I most years get a happy birthday message from, you know, on my Facebook page. This is this is uh, again. This team is, is so interactive with the community. It's a small city. It's tight knit, and they appreciate every single supporter they have. So I've talked to a lot of these guys before, and he's coming in, and I'm, you know, and it's hard to root against these guys at that point. And little did I know what was, you know, going to play out for, for Theo Clement. But, uh, again, I followed his career for a number of years. He was with the club years ago. He left for a while. He went to play at, at Oliveira. He played in the second division. He's been a professional. And uh, he's, you know, a little older now. But he he was – he came in, and he's fulfilling a dream. He's getting to play against Befica, okay? And um, college are just digging. They're digging, digging, digging. They're holding on. They're getting a couple opportunities here and there. And if they could get an odd man rush up against, you know, against the run of play, earn a corner, and the whole stadium is just on its feet. And I've been told my whole life, Toddish is not a football city. How many cities does Benfica go into and not be the home team? How many stadiums does Benfica go into and have a support like that rooting against, well, not rooting against them, but rooting for the other team? I will not accept ever again that college is not a football city. Now, yes, a lot of it had to do with it being Benfica, and, they, and you could say a lot of the criticism from the more loyal fan base is that, you know, these people only show up for the Tasa. Um, the club had a great promotion going. You could take your ticket from this match at the end and trade it in for a ticket to the next home match in two weeks. uh, For college fans listening and that happen to understand English, I plead with you to continue to support this team because this team showed in this match that they don't belong in the League of Three. They belong, at the very least, in the second division. They belong in the promotion places, not in relegation playoffs to stay up. Okay? The, not just the players, but the, the club and the fan base and the city belongs at a higher level. Now, as the, again, as the match on Benfica continues to push and push, and you get a, another one off the bar. This one, I think, was by Enzo right at the end of Extra Time. There is a play I, I forgot to mention just after 90 minutes. I think it was the 93rd minute where where Thomas Militon falls on the ball. Um looked clear to be a hand a handling of the ball in the box i think if var were in use in this round then it probably would have been reviewed and called a penalty At the same time maybe this is homerism in me because i've never felt this way in a benfica match in a penalty that should have been you know that would have been for benfica but i found my i found myself saying yeah well he fell and his arms went down i mean what else is he supposed to do with his arms but I do think now that I've looked at it that, that it would have been called with a VAR. That would have been a penalty in the moment. I didn't think so, but now with a VAR, I do think that it would have been called. Um, we also saw Oshness score a goal that was just slightly offside uh, in the in the second in the first half. Um, but yeah, I thought that could have that could have saved both teams, you know, thirty minutes and a lot of heartache. Um, but the penalty was not called. We go to extra time, and again, a hundred and ten minutes. This was a moment for me, um, as a you know sympathizer, as a in a weird thing where I'm rooting for both teams again, and it's just it's just unnatural to want both teams to you know you know you can't have both teams win. You know they can't. One of them has to lose. But I see Thomas Malito, you know, completely done, completely done and he can't go anymore. Just to to explain the reality of what it is at this level. He comes off they have no more defenders. College have no more defenders. Okay, they've used everybody. And they bring on and I apologize to whoever it is that came on. I I don't remember at this point. Uh oh, it was Andre Simony. How could I forget it? It was the other another player who's played his entire career with the club. Andres Simonsh comes on. So basically captain for captain. It's the captain and the vice captain. The vice captain replaces the captain. And um, he replaces Milito and Tarzan the striker moves. Tarzan who's about my height, by the way, who's not much taller than I am. He's probably about 5'9", five, 5'10", five, at the most. Maybe he's even shorter than that. He's going to slide in at center back for the final 10 minutes against Benfica, against Petr Musa. They managed to hang on. They managed to, to get to penalties, and I, that's when my cousin my cousin sends me a message, and he goes, gotta do that possível. Now anything is possible." And and I think he was nervous that Peñico were going to lose. And um, again, I didn't I didn't know I didn't know who I wanted to win this shootout. To be honest with you, I want Peñico to win this cup, but what a moment it would have been! I didn't know, I didn't know. Um, but once they stepped up to the spot, you know. And uh, you know the first one was taken by Enzo, perfectly taken, one nil. And my boy Dio steps up to take it for College, and I'm just like, I'm coming to the grasp. One of these guys is gonna miss, right? Dio Clement steps up, he puts it over the bar, and I'm I'm feeling for him. Okay, I am. I'm happy because Benfica, I think, is going to survive now. Once once they took the lead, I didn't think Benfica were going to miss a penalty once they got the lead, okay? Because the pressure is so much greater on the team that shoots second. I always told players, when you go into a shootout, when I was coaching, it's I told the captain, you want to shoot first. This is why. Because once somebody misses, that team that shoots second is always playing catch-up. If you're shooting first and you fall behind, you're, you're still giving your goalkeeper a chance to save you. Um, this time, you know, they, we were I shouldn't say we; they're both we in my world. But um, you know, Deo Clement misses this one, and I I felt for him. I did. I felt for him. I go. That's just something that you know is hard to to live with. I was explaining to my son, and I said, "Listen, you know, Daddy played in a couple of these, and I fortunately did not miss my penalty." In the, I think, three total shootouts I played in in my career, okay? Um, I converted in all three times, fortunately, because I can't even imagine what it feels like to be Dio Clement and to be the the, the one that misses. Although I said, I shot him a message this morning, and I reminded him that even Messi misses in, in shootouts. And I told him, listen, Messi, Messi lost two Copa America finals, missing penalties. So um, even the greats miss, and I told him to pick his head up and beat Academica next week. And, um, you know, after that, Restitch steps up, Restitch scores. The next one for college, I believe, was the Colombian uh, Jordi. I think it was him. It might have been either Jordi or Leandro. I don't remember, but they scored. And then Auschness scores. And then Andres Simões, the, the substitute that came on, he scores. And then Chiquinho scores, which Chiquinho, as I said in the preview, took a penalty kick at that very same goal in 2018, and he missed. It was saved by Luis, by Luis Paulo, the, the the goalie that did not play in this one. The goalie that was on the bench. Um, this one was not saved. Uh, Wilson Swatch did guess correctly, but but Chiquinho managed to go high. The goalie went low. So, um you know it was it was a it, it was a you know the ball found its way in, which was fantastic because it's you know very difficult to convert a penalty in a shootout. It's much different than when you take it in now, my sofa score just reloaded, and I have the starting lineups again. Let's see who I missed i missed I missed Enrique, Enrique up front for for college and I missed Miguel Chaabil. Okay, but but anyway, I just want to make sure I got all their names in there. Um anyway, Shikinu converts up steps Tarzan. And this is a funny story with Tarzan, because I was explaining to my dad that, that we you know again, I was asking how do we know them again? How do we know his family again? He goes, What what's his he goes, What's his name? And they, you know, he's wearing Rodriguez on his on his jersey. I go, Yeah, they call him Tarzan. And my dad, without missing a bit, goes, Oh, Tarzan. They own the funeral home, so that's that's the connection apparently uh, to to his family is that they're the funeral home uh, owners. Um, but he steps up, and I'm saying I, I said to my son, I said I don't want him to miss. All right, uh, Clement is already crushed. I don't want I don't want another uh, one of them to, to miss. So he converted, and I said, all right, Joel Mario wins it here, and and we're all happy. Um, and Joel Mario steps up without without any doubt the goalkeeper goes one way João Mário goes the other Benfica win in a penalty shootout against Galatasaray I don't know if I'll ever get to see these two clubs play each other again so I very much um, I very much cherish this I'm going to keep this this on my DVR for as long as I possibly can I don't ever want to lose a copy of this of this match I want to you know go back to it in 10 years and rewatch it and remember it um it wasn't until the match was over that it hit me that I enjoyed it because I was just feeling so many different things. But last night I could hardly sleep. I was just so happy with everything. I it couldn't have been better, honestly. Um, I I was so happy both ways. Benfica advanced, they survived. College gave such a good account of themselves. Benfica we very classy guests and big and were super classy hosts. I couldn't have been more proud of the fair play in this one. And, um, I hope that the 6,000 plus that were lucky enough to get into the ground had the time of their lives last night. I, I hope that, you know, Nuno Januario and Thomas Militao and, you know, and, um, especially those two, cause they've been there for so long and, and Andres Simões and João Tarzan, uh, all had the night of the, you know, had, uh, I hope it lived up to their expectations, regardless of the result. And um, this is a game that people in the city are going to talk about for a long, long time. A long time, I think. The way my grandfather talked to me about the day Benfico went to the Mata and lost. I'm going to tell my grandson someday about the day Benfico went to the Mata and won on penalties. And the kaldish took them all the way. To the to the brink, took them all the way to the shootout. I'm gonna tell them about how great the atmosphere was. I can tell my grandkids that you know, they and I. I believe I'm gonna say on the way to winning the cup, Benfica had this this uh, tough stop in college. and uh, in the end, you know, in the end, the you know the team with more obviously the better team won. Gonzalo uh, Barredes of College had a post game interview, and he said the same. He said, "You know, he was very proud of the way the team played and how they got as far as they did against a team that's clearly, you know, got stronger players. Full, not just full professionals. Benfica has internationals. Benfica's got guys going to the World Cup in a month. All right, and for for both." This was just a match I'll never forget. Again, I apologize. This was like the least Befikista episode I have ever put out. I am happy Benfica are in the cup still. I want them to win it. The draw is going to be, by the way, this Thursday. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to sharing the screen here. Um, and we're going to look at the results from the rest of the action in the Tasa de Portugal round number three. Okay, I'm going to put it up right now for you guys. And here is round three. It started on Friday. Oyanis and Nil Bisad 2. That club is still hanging on by a thread, and it's it's obnoxious. Um, they need a new identity. They need to fuse with somebody. They need to combine with another club and lose that Bisad, you know, identity. Um, or get relegated. To the Liga Three, one or the other, and play the real Bolanets. What it is, they're on fire this year. After being relegated last year, they are on fire. They're still unbeaten. They beat Vila Franquense three nil. Amora take uh, First Division Istraill to the limit uh, again. Amora's in the Liga Three. They lose three two at home to Isturil and as you know, managed by Nelson Verissimo. Fontinhas nil, Arroca two. Nacional, three. Oliveirense, one after extra time. Canelage, one. Vitoria Guimarães, three. And then in the trend that started here and would end with some eight uh, Liga Portugal teams being eliminated in this round. That's another thing to remember. Okay. For... Everything, you know, for as difficult as this match was for Benfica, they did get through. Eight teams from the first division did not get through. Uh, here's the first one of them, and it is Maritimo, and, and it can't get any worse for Maritimo this season, I don't think. Maritimo are really struggling, and that is compounded by losing 4-2 at Mafra in extra time. uh, San Juanes, uh eliminate Ujbolinets, the real Bolinets, 3-2 after. Extra time. Serpa Nil Gil Vicente, three. Trofense Nil Famalicão one. Academic Vizil one. Oriental. The historic Oriental. This is a team out of the districts, uh, out of the district leagues, out of the distrital. Uh they come up just short against the Liga 2 side. It's Academic Vizel 1 Oriental Nil Immortal, Nil Farens 3. Penafiel for oh Penifiel go to penalties with Vizela and it ends with, the match ends uh 3-3 after 90 and Vizela win 2-1 on penalties. so Vizela advance uh, to round 4 Tondela eliminate the Azorians uh they beat Santa Clara 2-0 at home Tondela also having a good season after being relegated they're a candidate to come right back up they advance in in uh, Portugal, and there you see uh, Mob has that as a 4 6 score, but it is Caldas 1, Befica 1, Befica winning 5 3 on penalties, and Befica advance. They'll be in the draw on Tuesday. The draw takes place Tuesday for round four. Round four will be played between November 8th and November 10th. And then today's matches uh, ARS Martinho nil Casapia. They advance with, with uh, two goals. Uh, the Casa uh, move on, and um, you know, they'll await their next opponent like everyone else. Braganza beaten in extra time by Pevidain SC, Montalegre beaten by San Juan Ver 3 to 1. Uh, lose 6 0 to Camasha. Uh, Dumiens slash CJP2. I have no idea who they are. They lo- they beat. Real Masama, uh two to one, and maybe that's somebody that uh Bisad can merge with and make into a real club someday. <laughs> we'll see. But they advance to round four. Mashiku, the uh I believe they're they're a team from Madeira. They take down another first division side, Boavista Fall, Patiz Boavista Fall. I believe this was in Madeira. Uh, where was this match played? It doesn't even say. Okay, I believe Mashiko is. I could be wrong about that. Don't quote me on it. Mashiko advances one 0 Oliveira do Hospital from Liga three also victorious after extra time three two over Rio Ave. That's what Rio Ave gets for their comments about Benfica's parenting um, and what they get. You know, a team that that beat Porto, and I'm I'll I remain thankful for those for those three points you took from them. But um, not too sad to see Riwov uh, go out here. Pedro Pinheiro, four nil winners over Pombal. Tirsenso one, Leixões, four. Valadares Gaia, three. Chaves two. That one's after extra time. And another Liga Portugal, first division side, out in round three, thanks to Valadares Gaia, A team from the Campeonato Portugal, if I'm not mistaken, the fourth division. Viennense 1, Betamar 2. Betamar also in the Campeonato Portugal. Vila Verde's 2, Portimunens nil. Bye-bye, Porto B. Bye-bye. Um, go sell more guys to Porto, why don't you? Uh-huh. They're out. Porto's southern brothers uh, in a big upset. Another Le- Division One team or Liga Portugal team falls. And here's another one. It's Passos de Ferreira traveling to the Bofin. And Vitória Stubal are 2 0 winners over Passos de Ferreira in the Azores, in São Miguel. Rabo Peix, 2, Sertanense 1. Uh, Felgueiras 1, Braga 2. Even Braga had trouble in this round. And here's the upset of the round: it is Verzi 1, Sporting Clube Portugal eh, nil. Ruben Amorim's Lions are bounced in round number three. And, of course, uh, Sergio Conceição's Dragons make the short trip to Anadia, and uh, they, they win comfortably 6-0. So now there are no more limits on the draw. Um, whoever whoever wins, whoever comes out of the hat, plays whoever comes out of the hat, okay? Um, there's the possibility of a Benfica Porto in the next round. So we'll see what the draw gives us on... On uh, Tuesday. So, uh, those are the results in round uh, three of the Portuguese Cup. And, um, again, coming up this week, very, very big week for Benfica. They're going to play against Porto on Friday. There's no Champions League this week. But there is Women's Champions League, and that's going to allow me to segue to the final bit here where I'm going to tell you to stay tuned because coming... um, perhaps later today, perhaps tomorrow. I'm going to record it as soon as I hit stop here. It's a women's edition of Mr. Benfica. The women are top of the league of BPI. Once again, they picked up a big win this weekend over family count and they're on their way to a historic match midweek. This week, Benfica will, Benfica's women will play Barcelona in the women's champions league. I'll tell you all about how they got there in the next episode, but that's going to do it for this one. Remember, um, we are Benfica. Let's stay together. Let's not jump on this team. This team is going to give us a lot of happiness this season. And I believe Friday we're going to be happy with the performance. Um, I do have my reservations about the referees. Um, um, as always, every time we play in that stadium, I'm nervous about the referees and the VAR, the VAP, as I call it, the video apport. And who knows what's going to happen in this one. Who knows uh, – what kind of surprises are in store? I do hope that Benfica arrived to the to the stadium safe. I don't want to please no stonings, Porto. Stop stoning the buses, please. Police do your job. Do your job up there. Okay. Um, but I think Befica have as good a chance as they have had in my memory to go in there and win it. They're going on Friday. I think they have everything there. If if Rafa and Nedge are ready to go. Um, and we go in and with the same attitude, we went into Paris and we went into Turin and we, the attitude we used at the luge against PSG as well. I think that Benfica will win if they do all of those things. Okay. And I believe, you know, we have the better team, the better manager, the better players. The only thing that's going to hurt us is ourselves and the referees. So hopefully, you know, this, it goes well on Friday. I hope that all the hiccups are out of the way. All of the mistakes are out of the way. We're going to clean that up. We're going to refocus. And I think on Friday, three points to Benfica. I I am confident about this match more so than I think I've been for any Porto-Benfica match that I can think of. Um, And it'll send a statement. Certainly, we have a chance to put six points between us and our biggest rival. Um, That's going to do it. Remember, in the words of Roger Schmidt, hashtag, if you love football, you love Benfica. Thank you for listening again. I apologize as this was a less Benfica centered episode than usual, but this is probably the only time you're ever going to, unless things change, this is probably the only time we'll ever have a, a college Benfica episode. So I had to, uh, had to be fair here and, um, I just had to be honest with everybody and I, I feel like I was. And I hope you all will appreciate that from me. And I hope to uh, hear from you soon. Coming very soon, episode one forty six. Again, we're going to cover the women's team, um, that's for sure. And I'm going to try to get something else out during the week, but I can't promise that. Uh, so we'll see what we'll see what happens. Um, until then, enjoy your football. Enjoy your week. Okay, everyone, have a good week. Um, college fans listening, support your local club, not just in the cup. And uh, again, Benfiquistas, let's support. Let let's get behind this team on Friday, okay? Let's line the streets, you know, uh, the normal places where we congregate in Porto. Let's fill those places. Let's get behind this team, okay? The ones that are lucky enough to go into the stadium. Number one, take care of yourselves. Stay safe in that jungle, okay? Stay safe in that. Uh, um, I don't know what to call it, but uh, you know, be safe around those criminals. Um, stay away from, stay away from the super, they're going obviously stay out of your alleyways and, um, go Benfica. If you're not sitting with, with the traveling Benfica supporters, wear your neutral colors. Okay. Take care of yourselves. This is going to be tough in that standpoint, but I believe we have everything in this team to go there and get the result. We want the results uh, that we need. And I do believe that when I come back to you next week, Benfica will still be top of the table. All right. Um, and, again, enjoy it all this week. um Benfica. Forza Benfica. We are Benfica. I'm the Mr. Mike Agostino. You can follow me uh, at the Twitter address right there on your screen if you're watching. At Mike Agostinho At M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. And follow the show at Benfica Mr. on Twitter, okay? Or on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. Benfica once again. D'amu 38. Let's go. Have a good week, everybody. And this time, I'm not going to forget to play the closing credits. I went through all the work to create this video of closing credits. So I'm going to send you away with the closing credits on YouTube. Um, For those of you watching, uh, uh, those of you listening on the podcast, well, you're going to get the usual closing. But have a good night, everybody. Kehega Benfica.